Welcome to the Mystic Lighthouse, your beacon for the paranormal. Each week we will explore a grab bag of different cryptid sightings, hauntings, UFO encounters, and various other true tales that are sure to leave you questioning, what are you willing to believe? Hello everyone, and welcome to the Mystic Lighthouse. On this week's episode, we'll hear from listeners of a possible skinwalker sighting, a ghostly encounter at a convent, and a terrifying encounter in the woods. All this and more on this week's Tales from the Mystic Lighthouse. Our first story is from Sharon, and she tells us about her encounter while visiting a convent. Hi, my name is Sharon, and earlier this year something strange happened. I was in Melbourne with my husband on holidays, and one afternoon we decided to go to the old Abbotsford convent, which is now an arts, educational and cultural hub. My husband and I were wandering the grounds when out of the corner of my eye I saw movement in the field nearby. I turned and I saw a young blonde haired girl in a white dress with a bonnet on her head. She was just standing there stock still staring at me. We made eye contact for a few seconds but when I blinked she just vanished. It didn't really register with me until I was a few steps forward. Frowning in confusion, I backed up and poked my head around the building once again. Lowering my sunglasses, I searched the area for the girl, but she was gone. I was confused. She couldn't have gone far. Only a few seconds had passed. But there was no one there. With wide eyes, I caught up to my husband and told him that I had seen a young girl, but she disappeared. We both walked back and had a look around and confirmed that the area was empty. Still shocked, I passed it off as a trick of the light until we entered an area where I learned the convent had provided refuge and rehabilitation for young women who had somehow acted outside the normal behaviour expected of them. They earned their keep through unremitted servitude to the eight Magdalene commercial laundries run by the Good Shepherd Sisters. This was run from 1863 to 1971. My husband showed me a picture of the girls and it sent a shiver down my spine, as it showed that they were wearing identical clothes to the girl that I had glimpsed earlier. I later learned that there used to be a cemetery on the grounds where the people who died at the convent were buried. Our next two submissions are from someone we'll just call Redditor, 
She tells us of her experiences with a creepy basement and a Ouija board. Hi, I'm a Redditor that was recently reached out to after I posted an experience of mine. And so I'm going to share it. I've never really been somebody who's focused on the supernatural or anything. My parents on my dad's side, so my dad and my stepmom are very, very atheist. My mom is spiritual um, and my nan is also spiritual, but I myself kind of stuck with atheism having grown up with atheist parents. Um, But I kind of reflected on the things that would happen when I was little. And at the time, I thought that maybe I was just a scared kid or that it was just my mind playing tricks on me because that's what my parents would tell me and that it was just my imagination. But I was starting to think maybe it wasn't. I was probably about seven years old when I had moved into the first house my parents had like bought. It was a townhouse. It had three floors. There were quite a few bathrooms and bedrooms, mainly on the top floor, a couple um, in the basement and just a bathroom on the main floor. It wasn't a super large house, but it but it was a pretty decent sized house. Um, and I had spent most of my time just kind of playing in my room. I was an only child, so I didn't really have any siblings or even any friends because this was a new town that I had moved to once my dad won custody. So um, my parents are kind of strict. They are very strict with chores and screen time or at least stricter than other parents. So I would only get about two hours a day if I completed my chores at max. And that was more on weekends. It was only half an hour to 45 minutes, depending on how they were feeling on school nights. And so I got my screen time and we had already been living in the house for a few months. So I was comfortable in the basement and basements have never really scared me all that much. So I wasn't too nervous to go down there. I went into the basement and I played on the Wii for a bit because when I was seven, the Wii was like the huge console. Everybody had it. Everybody wanted to play like Wii Fit and Mario Galaxy and stuff like that. So I went down and played for a little bit. And um, I, I just had a creepy presence. I can remember it very vividly. And at the time I thought that, you know, I was just getting in my head, but it just, it felt like I was being watched watched very heavily and it kind of it became repetitive every time I was down there it felt like something was watching me and sometimes it felt like it would get closer and then it kind of got to the point where it would make me sprint upstairs because it felt like it got too close um, and, at, and at a young age I wasn't allowed to go on the computer because my parents didn't know what to use parental block and stuff like that So um, I kind of avoided the spare bedroom, which had the computer, but I knew it was coming from that room. There was a tiny hallway with a um, bathroom on the right and then a bedroom at the end and just like little furnace area um, to the left. And the bedroom at the end just, it freaked me out and I would always end up sprinting up the stairs and I felt safe as soon as I got through the doorway, like even through the basement, um, there, there was a doorway that led to the staircase. And once I was through that doorway, and it was even still in the basement, technically, I, I felt very safe. Um, however, when I got a little bit older and I got I got a little bit more comfortable down there, 
um, and I finally decided like, you know what, my stepmom's gonna let me on the, the computer, so why don't I go use it? So I did. Um, I went into the room and I'd play on the computer. <laughs> to be specific, I'd actually probably go on like Barbie games and stuff like that. Um, or play like Disney Channel games and you know, just things that kids would do. And it was always towards the back of the room, not where the laptop was, but towards the back of the room where I felt very unsafe and uncomfortable and it felt like something was watching me, something was there. And it felt mean. I don't know how to fully describe how it felt mean, but it didn't feel pure or innocent or nice. It felt like it kind of, like it didn't want me there. It, it wanted me to leave. Which was very strange because this was a very newly built house. Like now that I'm looking back on it, this house was built like maybe a couple months before we moved, moved in. It was a little, it was part of a community. Um, and so, so you wouldn't think like nobody had died in there and stuff like that. And of course there are other things that could happen. It could be built over something. Um, but I just, the room freaked me out and I began, like the times got shorter and shorter for when I could be down there playing games before the, um, I, I don't know what I want to call it, but like the spirit or the energy would get angry and it felt like it would come after me. And so it would always lead to the exact same thing. Me sprinting up the stairs and just getting upstairs. It got to the point where I actually, I had stopped going down to the basement and even though I felt safe when I'd walk by the stairway to the basement, I could peek my head in and feel uncomfortable. I had to go down there every once in a while because my cat was very aggressive with her food. She was quite fat actually. Um, and so if she found her like little bag of food anywhere, she'd dig into it. So we kept her food bag down there. And when I had to go feed her, I'd have to go down there. But what's funny is that they were able to even keep the basement door open and have the food down there because my cat hated going down there so much. And I know that there's a thing with animals being able to see or sense spirits and she hated it. Like she herself, she did go in the basement a couple times while we lived there and she would always be down there for like a couple minutes max before she would be sprinting up those stairs to come back up. And my mom being spiritual, she was quite more um, understanding than my parents were. When I told them about what was going on, they thought that it was just my imagination and stuff like that. Because I will admit, like, as a kid, I had a very strong imagination. Um, but my mom, she believed me. My mom's very, very spiritual. She does, like, actually, like, tarot and everything. And she believes that she can, like, see and talk to spirits. Um, we have grown to have quite different views on spirits. As now, I kind of believe more in them. She believes that there's no such thing as a bad spirit. I do believe in spirits of bad intentions and um, she believed that it was just a spirit that made me uncomfortable but still being that we are also indigenous she gave me a dream catcher made by one of our elders um, and I had hung it up just by my window in my bedroom and I had at the time um, what was called a loft bed and this was going into the final couple of years that we had lived there um, and oh, so a loft bed is basically a bunk bed without a bottom bunk bed. I should probably say that. And it had like little holes in it, um, on the frame that were just like for decoration because it's a kid's bed. So it's got to look all fun and stuff. 
And so I could see from one of the holes, I would look out of it and I could see my doorway, which for my doorway, I could see the um, hallway and the stairs to the main floor because I was, my bedroom was on the top floor. And the very night that I had placed the dream catcher up in my room, I started seeing a very tall figure. And it was dark, it was what people call shadow people. And it would slowly walk towards my doorway. And it would stop in my doorway. And then it'd go back. Like, it would it'd be gone for a second, then it'd pop back up near the stairway. And it would walk. And it would do this until I fell asleep. And I'm telling you, like, it wasn't sleep paralysis. I've had sleep paralysis before. And, and there's a vast difference because sleep paralysis to me in the morning, like after I fall back asleep and wake up, it feels like a dream. Whereas this was repetitive and it felt real and I could tell that I was awake. And the energy in the basement had grown stronger since I placed the um, dream catcher in my room. It eventually got to the point where I wouldn't even be home alone after a few years, like when my parents finally let me, I wasn't comfortable with it. I would rather go play at the park in the pouring rain than have to be in that house alone because it made me so uncomfortable. We'd finally moved into a new house when my family decided that our house wasn't big enough for five as my stepmom's expecting her third child. Um, and so I felt safer. And looking back, I actually, my boyfriend, he is a um, very, he's heavily Christian. And we have had discussions about what has happened to me and he believes that the shadow person, it didn't come with my dream catcher, but something about my dream catcher made me able to like recognize that the shadow person was there and that the shadow person was there to, um, for prevention and protection. And I've done a little bit of research and I've read that sometimes poltergeists actually feed off of negative energy and that's how they become stronger in my household when I was younger was very very rocky I did not have the greatest relationship with my parents as I can imagine most kids with um separated parents don't and there was there was a lot of fighting between my parents between me and my parents it was just a lot of tension in the house constantly and I just I, I imagine that if it was a poltergeist it was feeding off of that um, and that's just, that's kind of what I've experienced. And though when I was little, I ruled it out as just my imagination playing tricks on me. Um, I kind of, I look back on it now and I'm able to more recognize that that actually was something and that I wasn't going crazy or losing my mind or just my head was playing tricks on me. I know that that actually happened. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. So I shared on Reddit a um, Ouija board experience, and this is my first paranormal experience that I've had, um, so I'm going to share the Ouija board one. It was probably like summer of 2017, I think, so I was about 15-ish, and um, I didn't really know even that much about spirits and demons and that kind of stuff, even though I've already had my own experiences as a kid. My mom was working away five days a week, she's a single mom still to this day. 
So she's had to work quite a bit to be able to um, support my siblings and I, and especially in the expensive city that we live in. Um, so I had the house to myself majority of the time since my brother would spend a lot of time at his dad's. My friends and I, we bought ourselves a Ouija board. I thought it was dumb, and I did not think it was real. I was a little bit scared of it, but that was on the quote-unquote off chance that it was real. There were about five of us using it, um, and we did the figure eight, as instructed to do, and then we went on by saying hello, asked who was there, um, and asked, like, dumb questions, you know, that teenagers ask, like, really, really dumb ones, like, how did you die, and nothing actually deep about the world, it would be like, does anybody hate me, what's my name, and stuff like that, to try and see if it was real or whatever, um, and... I ended up being alone with one of my guy friends a little bit later. We were, we were really, really close and I trusted him with my life. And so I, I felt safe when he was like, do you want to play it? Like just you and me, like he wanted to play it. And I never really did any research. Like, and later on I learned that you're never supposed to play with the Ouija board with less than three people. Like two people is not a good idea. Um, and so we went ahead and we played it. And at the time I was becoming more fragile I guess you would say, like, I was more scared of the spirits and the demons and the possibility of the Ouija board actually being real, which made me more of um, a vulnerable target for spirits. So the catch about us playing it alone was that I actually, I forgot to remind him to say goodbye because he never remembered. I was always the one to remind him. So we like just left, like we left without saying goodbye. And it, it didn't bother me. I didn't really remember that we hadn't said goodbye for a long time. I mean, months and months had gone on before I actually felt something creepy in my house. And what's crazy is it's been four years and none of my friends have felt anything off. But I have. Um, I, I was convinced I was going crazy at first because the first night that I had actually like very vividly felt something was when um, I was sleeping and I woke up really late and it felt like before, right before I'd waken up something had grabbed me by the shoulders and it was trying to like force itself like into my body I don't know how to explain like it was just it was trying to get itself in my body or it was trying to take me somewhere I, I can't really decipher which it was but I just, I shot up and I screamed no and I couldn't go to bed. Like there was just, there was something around me. And we'd used the Ouija board in my basement, which was also where my bedroom was at the time. Um, and it, it just, it made me feel unsafe. It made me feel uneasy. Um, I ended up going to my therapist about it. I've seen a therapist since I was very little. So I was really comfortable with him and I was able to tell him about what happened and what we did. Um, and he, he said that like, it was probably just trauma, like something was triggered and part of my childhood trauma had been brought up and that's what that was. Um, I kind of believed him. I ran with it. Um, but there was still a tiny part of me that believed that there's a possibility that it wasn't. Fast forward a year, the house still felt, felt creepy. Like it wasn't a huge creepy feeling, but it wasn't like non-existent um 
I ended up, because I was so scared, and I just did, like, the dumb things on Google where, like, how to protect yourself from demons, how to protect yourself from spirits and stuff, I actually, I grabbed um, Himalayan salt, and I lined it up around my doorway um, so that I felt more safe. And the very night that I put the salt there, I um, had been on YouTube late at night. I've always had trouble sleeping early. Um, and this was, I forgot to mention, after I had moved my room upstairs into the big room. Um, so I was now upstairs. And after I put the salt there, I was up at night, probably about 2 a.m. on YouTube. And I heard this buzzing noise coming from outside my door. So I opened my door. And the room across from my room, the light was flickering. And, and at first it was slow and then it got a little faster within like probably the 30 seconds that I was just staring at it confused. And at first it, it made me laugh because I was like, what the hell? Like, whatever. That's weird. And then by the end of the time I was looking at it, I'm like, wait, didn't I mess around with a Ouija board? Like, this isn't good. And, and normally like a light flickering could just be the light bulbs, like, you know, dead. But what's messed up about it is that bedroom light has never worked. My mom um, had called in to get it checked out because it used to work and then one day it just stopped working. And we had an electrician come in and he looked at it and he, I, I can't even tell you what was wrong with it because it was years ago, but there was something wrong with it and we would have to have the wires like completely replaced and everything like they'd have to take out part of the wall like something happened and it just doesn't work. Um, and so we couldn't, we couldn't afford that. So we just settled on like, we're not going to use that room. The light doesn't work. The door was always kept open because it was used as like storage for the stuff that we didn't really have the space for in the house. Um, and, and, and it kind of clicked with me. I'm like, that light is not supposed to work whatsoever. Why is it flickering? Which is so weird. So I, I got like really bad shivers and, um, I laid back in bed just kind of praying that everything was going to be okay. And after that night, everything was calm, probably for about like eight or nine months. And then my brother woke up to the sound of pacing on our basement stairs, which once again is where we use the Ouija board. Um, and I thought he was just having nightmares because it's really weird, but our family, like almost our entire family, anytime we take Tylenol before bed, we can have really bad night terrors. It's, it's actually a very somewhat common phenomenon, but uh, yeah. And so I thought he was just having nightmares. Um, that was until my mom and I decided to watch a movie um, and sleep on the couch. And that night we both heard it. It was pacing. It, it was, like Somebody was actually like walking up and down the stairs. But nobody else was in the house because my brother was at his dad's. My mom had had a friend come over and she slept in the basement a few weeks later. And she heard it too. So we all knew that we were not going crazy. Um, we had called somebody and gotten them to come and check in um, our house for animals to see if like we had rats and that's what that sound was or if there was like a raccoon in our house but there wasn't there was no trace of any animals just a plethora of spiders in the basement like nothing that actually could have made that noise um and and i am an indigenous person so i went to a sweat ceremony and the elders that i talked to were very very educated on spirits um, I know that each culture varies in indigenous cultures, like what they believe and how they act on it. But um, in mine, 
Ouija boards. We were warned about we were not supposed to use Ouija boards. And I always thought it was dumb and a myth. But my elder, he could sense it. And he asked me if I'd been in contact with any spirits. And I admitted to it. And um, he... He, he could sense it before I had even told him anything. Like, he could sense it. He could sense that the presence was with me. And so we did a cleansing, and it, it's been a couple years, and I, I do feel quite a bit better. I feel a lot safer. We've also moved houses, which is probably an important note. Um, but but I, I feel a lot safer, and I haven't had many, many um, presences anymore. I kind of went back to my sleep paralysis, from when I was very, very little, and I would see, not like a shadow person, but like the top hat man, um, and, and I've kind of like left it at that, like whatever, it's just sleep paralysis, but I talked to my Christian boyfriend a bit about this, um, and he was saying like everything that I told him, he was like, it adds up that it would attach to me just because I was more fragile, I wasn't participating 100% of the time. Sometimes my friends would play it without me, and um, I would just kind of, like, daze off because I didn't want to pay attention. I didn't really like the idea of it. So I wasn't paying attention, and I wasn't, um, my guard wasn't up. And so it was easier to attach to me, not to mention at the time I had struggled with severe depression and an eating disorder. So I was a little bit easier of a target because my head was not in the space it was supposed to be. Um, The catch is, though. I didn't know that I was supposed to do something with the Ouija board. I thought that, like, you just had to, like, throw it out or burn it, whatever. Um, and so it got, like, it didn't break in half for anybody that's, like, scared of that. It didn't break in half, but, um, it it got stepped on by my younger brother. So it's still, like, or it was still together, but there was a little bit of a crack in it. Um, and we just threw it out. And, and to me, like, that's fine if it was attached to the board or the house, um, because I've moved, I'm in a new place, but I still wonder sometimes, like, is there any chance it's still attached to me? Because, like, there are little things in my day that are completely unexplainable, and I just kind of, like, roll them out as, um, my head's playing tricks on me, or maybe I just forgot that I did this, or I forgot that I put this there, but, like, slowly everything's adding up, especially with the um, experiences that I that I had throughout my childhood. So sometimes I just kind of wonder, like, is it still attached to me? Our next submission is from Anthony, and he recalls a terrifying encounter he had while walking in the woods. My name is Anthony, and this is my story about my encounter in the woods. I live in Georgia, the state, obviously, in a rural town not too far from a major city. There's a set of woods that's behind our house, and it divides two neighborhoods roughly about a mile wide, if that. Strange occurrences have always surrounded these woods. Small things like random trash, tarps, woodland creatures that shouldn't be there, and bigger things like my encounter. I should mention it's more swampy marsh than woods, so it makes camping in there quite impossible. One night, as I was taking our dog out, 
key, which, by the way, stays in the back half of the house due to him not liking the other dogs. I took him out the side door and walked around the house to the fence. For some reason, when we left the house, he was absolutely terrified. He didn't want to go out. Very unusual for a dog who's quick to snatch somebody's soul if prompted. Not thinking about it, we pushed onward. After he tinkled, we started to walk back. This is when I noticed it. Or rather heard it? Crunching of leaves. At first, I thought it was one of the dozen cats on the property until I realized it was matching my steps, step for step. If I started walking, you could hear it walking. If I stopped walking, it stopped walking. There's a small clearing between woods where one of the sheds lay. That's when we saw it. My dog was first to see something, and then I saw some, I don't know, creature? It had to have been taller than the shed, so maybe a good eight feet tall. And it darted across the clearing at a crazy fast speed. When I say I saw it, I rather saw the light from the shed being blocked out. You couldn't see the roof of the shed anymore, so it's a good estimate of about eight feet tall. My dog, who again isn't scared of anything, bolts so fast I dropped his leash and he ran to the door whining. I was quickly behind him. Once we were inside, I quickly bolted the door and ran to tell my girlfriend what happened. She immediately wanted to investigate, saying it's probably a woodland creature and I needed to calm down. Armed with two flashlights, we went out the front door and marched towards the wood line. As we approached the wood line, we could hear something moving around. It sounded maybe 200 yards away. As we scanned with our flashlights, we saw nothing but kept hearing it. Then we heard it get closer and closer and closer until it was maybe 20 feet away. Still nothing. No eyes, the kind that would reflect when a flashlight was shone at it. Not even an animal call, just rustling. My girlfriend, now a little spooked, heads for the house. I decided to check with my neighbor to see if maybe one of their many dogs had gotten out. When I arrived at his house, my neighbor, who we'll call Dave, explained that all his dogs were accounted for. Curious, he came out to investigate. This is when I noticed when whatever this thing was followed me along the wood lines to Dave's house and was now behind Dave's house. Gun in hand, we went into his backyard scanning for, well, something. We could hear it rustling around, maybe running, about a hundred yards away in thick, swampy woods. Way too thick for a person to walk in, let alone run. Then out of nowhere, the noise was stopped. It was dead silent. Not even the crickets or anything. Scanning and completely on edge, we hear and still see nothing. And then, bam! All of a sudden, it was five feet in front of us, sprinting towards me. It slammed the fence in front of me so hard it rocked it back and forth. Dave, scared, completely out of his mind, shot randomly at, well, nothing. We never saw it, never heard it get close to us, and we never even heard it leave. Again, as I mentioned, the woods are thick, far too thick to run in, so what the hell teleported silently in front of us and slammed the gate? Spooked. We were about to run, but that's when we heard it. I'll never be able to fully describe what we heard, but my best guess was it was human in nature, but not English. It sounded 
alien-like. My brain maybe goes to Latin, but I know no Latin, and I don't know alien either, but there's just no way to explain what we heard. Dave, being a hunter for a better part of 40 years, still to this day can't explain what that noise was. Anyway, after we heard that, we bolted. He covered me as I ran to my house. About 10 minutes later, we both hear a loud explosion coming from the woods. It shook our houses and flickered our power. I ran outside to see what it was, and of course, nothing. But when Dave came out and confirmed he felt the same thing, we were both once again terrified. Not a few moments later, a stranger from the cul-de-sac came driving down, and they all agreed that the blast they heard was coming from behind our house. 911 was called, and the two police officers who interviewed us separately confirmed our stories matched. The responding officers refused to go anywhere near those woods. They were almost spooked from them. They took the report and kind of just left. To this day, we're still not sure what that encounter was. And also, Dave doesn't go outside at night anymore. It spooked him that bad. As strange as the story may seem, the next night was even weirder. Earlier in the day, this is the next morning, my mother-in-law, a police officer for a town about 40 minutes away, installed two motion-activated trail cams along the woods edge. They were brand new. Keep that detail in mind. Thinking maybe we'd seen something, thinking maybe we'd see something, we waited for nightfall. Later that evening, I went outside to feed our outdoor cats. That's when I heard it again, rustling. This time, not taking any chances, I ran inside and told everyone what I heard. They all piled by the door and urged me to go out there and look. Reluctantly, I agreed. I took my flashlight and walked to the edge of the woods. Knowing there was a trail cam covering this area, I figured if it got me, it would be on camera and my sacrifice wouldn't be for nothing. As I got to the woods edge, I could hear it still rustling. At this point, I'm shaking, because I could tell it was maybe less than 15 yards in front of me. I still couldn't see it. Everyone at the door was watching me and could hear this thing. Then it got quiet. For a moment, it was just gone. Or so I thought. Just as I'm scanning with my flashlight trying so desperately to see a normal woodland creature so I can laugh this whole thing away, BOOM! Something fell out of a tree and hit the ground so hard it shook the soil beneath my feet. It was so close to me that I was sure it was going to lunge out of the bush and snag me. I dropped my flashlight and ran a hundred yards back to the house in what I felt like was two seconds. I screamed, get in the house, as everyone was already scampering into the house. They heard and felt the thud too. Our neighbor Dave called my mother-in-law to ask what that loud crash was. For him to have heard it from well over 700 yards away is insane to me. Once the adrenaline died down, we realized that this had to have happened on camera problem solved. We have the evidence of this thing. Not taking any chances, we waited until the morning to check the trail cameras. When dawn finally arrived, we checked the SD cards on the trail cameras. They have videos leading up to 11.47pm. The rest is corrupted. They were both brand new trail cams and brand new SD cards. 
We reset everything and set them back up, and to this day, we've still never encountered the creature again, nor caught anything on camera. Our last submission is another one from a Redditor. He recounts an experience with what he can only describe as a skinwalker. Now, this all happened just last year when I went to the Flaming Gorge in Utah. I live in Utah, by the way. It was around 9.30ish. I was sitting in the cabin when I heard a weird noise I really can't describe. I walked out of the cabin and up the dock and walked to a parking lot. At the top of the dock next to this small wooded area, I see this skinny contorted figure staring back at me. I just froze staring directly at that thing for what seemed like hours. I couldn't look away. I was afraid it might run up to me if I did. Eventually though it it turned and ran away. And the second it did I booked it towards my boat and sat on my bed and tried to figure out what the hell I had just seen. Anyway, I got on my phone, went through it with what little internet I had and tried to figure out what I had seen. And after a couple hours of searching, I figured out that what I had seen was, in fact, a skinwalker. Thank you for joining me today in the Mystic Lighthouse. All stories submitted and narrated are purported to be true. The Mystic Lighthouse is produced and narrated by your host, Bo Carver. If you have any stories you would like to tell, you can submit them at themysticlighthouse at gmail.com. And tune in next week for all new tales. 